All right, welcome to the Wartime Leadership Podcast, where we're starting to explore what it looks like to have spiritual resiliency in our lives. Today, we are excited because it is the first episode of this adventure that we've been placed on, and we are excited because I went I went searching high, I went searching low, I went searching out and about, and there has been no one said more highly about than Chief Vaden, Chief Caleb Vaden. I, I am so pleased to have you here uh, between Nina and Trip and the EQ Gangster, everybody kind of just threw out ideas, and this is the one that we went with. So everyone, please welcome Chief Vaden. Chief, it is great to have you here. It's it's awesome to be with you, man, and uh, to start this journey out. Wow, I, that's a complete honor. Uh, I'm the first uh, first guest on your show. Uh, I, I guess uh, there's two ways this could go. Uh, you know, I could be really awesome or really bad. We just really won't know, I suppose. But <laughs> being the first guest, but uh, thank you so much, man, for uh, for the invite, reaching out to me, and I just look forward to being able to uh, share with you and and whatever space that, uh, that that we're talking about here and the things that we're talking about, and uh, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully it reaches your intent, man. So just thankful to be here. Uh, grateful. If there's any way that you can kind of walk us through your your history, where where you've gone in your career, what you've seen, what you've done, what your primary job is, and uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. So I'll uh, I'll start out with uh, I'm currently uh, the command chief out at the 461st Air Control Wing, home of the Liberators, uh, Liberator Nation out here, as we say in uh, Robbins Air Force Base, Georgia. We're a tenant wing on the, on the base here. But uh, And if you're not familiar with what all that means, if you're a, c- a civilian top listener, it's kind of like I'm a human resource manager that does some of that and a lot of other things uh, for, for quite a few uh, hundred, actually over over thousands of a thousand people. So uh, we're pretty busy. However, I think, man, uh, Nathan, to back off uh, and maybe let's go, that's a start out point. That's where I'm at now, I guess you could say, and let's back up to where, uh, kind of my childhood, right? So I come from a a very um, strange and abusive type of background, and and we won't get in the details of that. We won't we won't <laughs> won't have the audience, uh, you know, go through those emotional scars. But I tell you what, uh, I learned a lot. I didn't know what I was learning at the time, but going through all the different types of abuse that I went through, uh, and then my brothers and sisters as well. So it's a it was a you know a, a lot of us in the family, and a lot of us went through a lot of bad things. Uh, but, you know, it gives you the opportunity. A lot of times people say the things we go through and the things we face uh, make us who we are. And and I know I'm not going to have a whole lot of fanfare, never have in this regard. But what I say is that didn't shape us. They gave us the opportunity to make decisions that ends up, you know, shaping our character, right? It uh, definitely affects us, but gave me the opportunity. I'm just so thankful and, and grateful for, for God. You know, I'm I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Uh, man, a man of faith, and and I'm not ashamed of that. Um, you know, I don't I don't force that on anyone else, but that is who I am, and that's what I that's the God I serve, and and I'm proud of that. Uh, but He gave me the opportunity to look at that in a way that says, "Hey, I can make a decision in this space as I got you know of age uh, to where I can make my own decisions and, and change and grow from that." So fast forward from that, I, I met the the most amazing, beautiful person in the world, which is Amy Baden, my wife. Uh, we, we've been in together over 22 years now, uh, coming up on 22 years of marriage here in just a few months, actually, in May. And um, we've had four amazing children. Uh, actually, my oldest son, uh, he's serving in the Air Force. He's deployed downrange right now. And uh, I have, he's, he's 21, and then I have an 18-year-old, 17-year-old, and, and a 12-year-old. So that's Elijah, Noah, Christian, and Isaiah. 
Um, just truly been blessed. Um, things in, in my career, I joined the Air Force. So that's obviously I, I had those children a little bit later than when I joined the Air Force. I joined the Air Force in 2001. You know, so I've been at this gig for, you know, a few years now, coming up on 21 in February. And um, I was a heavy equipment operator in CE, um, did not pick that career field. That career field picked me. And I'm telling you, man, uh, the Air Force could not have gotten that more right. Uh, I'm, I'm a country boy from Mississippi, and I absolutely love that career. But I was supposed to be a crew chief. And so it's a little bit of a story how I didn't end up a crew chief. I tried to be a PJ for a little while in that and training, and I missed my class date and some stuff like that. But anyway, um, the Air Force said, hey, we need dirt boys. They have equipment operators. And I said, okay, sure. That I guess I don't really have an option anyway. And I absolutely loved it. I had a, had a great career, but a blessed career. But different things throughout my career, uh, as I matured as a, as a person and as an airman and as a leader in the Air Force, I realized I had some emotional scars, some emotional baggage, some psychological scars uh, that I needed to deal with. And that all stemmed from my childhood. Uh, so I know you're, you were talking about spiritual readiness and spiritual resiliency, uh, the theme of, of your podcast. And, and I definitely had a lot of those uh, in my life, a lot of those types of stories. And, and I love your statement, which you said, a comma, but God, there's a lot of those moments uh, in my life for sure. Uh, you know, and then moving up in the ranks, you know, as I promoted, they, they kind of ask you to do different things outside of uh, the fun stuff of operating heavy equipment and uh, get more in administrative roles. I had some amazing assignments, man. I've, you know, people talk you know, bad about Air Force assignments, and I just really never have had a bad one. You know, even uh, the I went down to Barksdale and everybody's like, welcome to Barcatraz. It's a place you're going to hate it and you're never going to leave. Uh, <laughs> one of the best assignments I had. And you know, we only stayed there about two and a half years and people were trying to figure out like, well, what happened? How'd you leave? And I'm, well, you know, you've heard of the equals plus, you, you know how that works, right? You know, you go into AMS, and you volunteer for stuff and that's how that works. But uh, so anyway, uh, just had, you know, great opportunities in the Air Force. I've had been blessed to have uh, some really good leaders, you know, I had some that weren't so good we learned from, but, you know, everything uh, happens for a reason and a purpose. And uh, we just continue to move around. God continued to bless and promote. Uh, I, I'll be honest, uh, similar to Chief Bass's story, I, I never planned on staying in the Air Force. Um, I was going to do six years and get out. And then I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to keep going. I felt like it was the right thing to do. I felt led to do it. I felt like it was part of a brotherhood, part of something that I had never been part of like that since, you know, football at a smaller scale. And then, um, you know, it just felt right. So here we are 20, almost 21 years later and still uh, enjoying and uh, very thankful for God's blessings and, and getting to be a chief master in the Air Force is a really cool thing. So I think there's a um, lot of us out there that have that six year story. Well, six years, I'm getting out, yep. call it good. And then you get there and you're like, oh, now I'm hooked. <laughs> they didn't tell me it was going to be this fun or this good. You know, I know it's not for everybody, right? And that's one of my big things is uh, one of one of the things is, you know, it's uh, if it's not for you, that's fine. Let's let's help find you something that brings you joy. You know, happiness. I think that's a little bit of a dangerous thing to chase happiness because that's kind of like a butterfly. Uh, you know, like a dog chasing a butterfly. You know, a little puppy chasing a butterfly. You're never going to catch that joker, and uh, so you got to be careful with that. But what find, what brings you joy? You know, and so that's what I tell our, our airmen. You know, we have some amazing humans that serve in our air force. I know you have the op- you have the opportunity to to have brought some of those civilians in and transition them to airmen, and then also to lead them into becoming leaders of airmen. So amazing opportunities you have in front of you and, and in your past, but yeah, Hey, sometimes it's time to go and do something else. And that's awesome. Thank you for your service. And I, I sometimes I, I think we coerce people into staying sometimes that, that shouldn't stay. And sometimes we belittle those people that leave that, that we should never do that, you know, never belittle anybody, regardless of their decisions. But uh, so anyway, yeah, it's uh, 
six years, we're done. And next thing you know, we're not. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and actually I've, I've been able to sit in as a first sergeant in a lot of, in, a, in some of the times where I've been able to sit down with somebody and said, let me help you through the door. Don't let me show you the door. You know, right, right. Let me help you get out the right way instead of doing the wrong thing, getting out that time. So, uh, Chief, I, I am absolutely excited to have you here. I'm going to do what I'm going to call rapid fire. I've got okay. some questions that I randomly pulled out of the apples to apples game, which I absolutely love. If you're getting to know somebody, especially I do this with an airman. I always do this with my, my airman whenever I first sit down with them. I just randomly pull out questions and just ask them. So what is one thing that you find repulsive? One thing I find repulsive, uh, well, so there's a lot of things to narrow it down to. When we talk about from a leadership perspective or just human nature, uh, I, I find it repulsive when people lie, you know, and, and lazy and lying. So the LL, if you will, uh, lazy, laziness and lying, man, I can put up with a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I can put up with a lot of stuff just based on the things I've been through in life. If you're working hard, and even if you're not, you're not good at it, but you're working hard at it, we can work with that. You know, uh, if you're, if you're telling the truth and it's just not something I want to hear, I can definitely deal with that. Don't you, don't ever lie to me because once you lie to me, uh, I'm going to lose trust. Uh, and that's, and it's just repulsive, right? Like you said, uh, I've never described it that way, I guess, but, uh, I probably used that emoji before <laughs> when somebody asked me something, that, how does lying make you feel? I use that green face and then the next one was, was actually vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer, actually. The LL, lazy and lies. Don't be, don't be lazy and don't lie to me. I'm going to yep. use that with my son. I think I'm, I'm going to have to learn that one with him. Uh, <laughs> what, is, what is one thing that is inside your shopping cart, your online shopping cart right now, that you haven't bought quite yet? Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a fake autograph, right? So the people have autographed it, but you know, I don't even know what it's called, but they use a machine that replicates it or whatever. Uh, it's in my Amazon shopping cart. It's a, it's a Mississippi State football because I love Mississippi State football. And it's, a, it's an actual football that's been autographed by Dak Prescott. It's probably the best thing that ever happened to Mississippi State football. Not probably. In my opinion, he is the best thing that ever happened to state football. But uh, so, yeah, that's in my shopping cart right now. I just keep moving to save later because I really, you know, having to tell Amy, my wife, that I spent $32 on a football that never actually gets used just sit somewhere. I'm not sure how to tell her that yet. After 21 years of marriage, I still don't know how to tell her that. So I'm just still sitting in the shopping cart. <laughs> so what I heard is it doesn't get easier. Got it. So, <laughs> so is it better to ask for forgiveness or ask for permission in that case? In this case, it's definitely permission. But that's, that is one thing I've learned over over my years of marriage is just communication. And we can we can definitely talk that late, you know, more in depth if you want later. But uh, definitely communication. Now, of course, I'm just having a little bit of fun with it. She really doesn't care if I, if I buy the football or not. But at the same time, it's uh, it's one of those things just out of respect, right? Love is an action. It, it takes work, right? Uh, it, love is not an emotion. <laughs> love is not a feeling. Uh, but anyway, don't get me on that rat, down that rabbit hole. I'll I'll set up a camp spot down there. And we'll just camp out for a long time. But, <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's definitely communication and transparency for sure uh, with your spouse. That it goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. You get a lot of collateral for that one, right? <laughs> yeah. my, my wife is actually listening in the kitchen right now. She just peeked her head around the corner, and I can see it out of the, out of the side. I'm like, oh, she's going to say something later. She's making a checklist of what she's she doing. Is she's making, making a checklist. checklist. She, you she's like, I heard you tell that one dude that you were going to do X, <laughs> Y, and Z. <laughs> Dang it! I knew this was going to come back to bite me. Uh, <laughs> hey, so what is one thing? I know, I know that after 21 years, you can take probably a whole lot. What is one thing that you absolutely love? 
uh, it's the people. Uh, it always has been. I don't even have to think a half a second about that. It's always been the people just coming from my background, the things I've dealt with as a kid, as a young man growing up. Um, I'm just trying to make a difference in people's lives. And I didn't realize that as an A1C. I was just, all you got to do is just tell somebody you care about them and take care of them, actually take the actions to show that you care about them. And man, they'll, they'll go to war with you any day. And, and in my earlier days in the Air Force, uh, a lot of people call us the chair force, which I give them grace. You know, I just tell the Army who stands for heads up air power and I keep moving out and drawing fire. But, um, you know, it's one of those things we deployed a lot. We went outside the wire a lot. Uh, and, and we needed to have that trust. And I, I learned early on just from a human aspect, just care about people and, and treat them well. Treat them. Sometimes it's dangerous. We say treat people how you want to be treated. Well, I mean, that doesn't always work out. because Sometimes people don't really care how they're treated, you know, and they live by that mantra. But yeah, just be kind, man. It's so free, right? It's free to be kind. And, you know, we talk about from a spiritual aspect. I know you're a Christian as well. And, uh, you know, if, if, if we just followed follow that right just you know you know love your neighbor as yourself kind of you know concept right is man it goes so far so yeah the people sorry I, you're not going to get a short answer out of me tonight man it's the people is uh people's where it's at that's what hey, that's why i keep up, getting up and going to work you're you're building up my time here and i love it because this is all going to wrap into an amazing conversation i mean we've already had an amazing conversation before we even started recording so uh, I, I, I knew that I could ask you anything that you love about your job, and I get that answer. So knowing the people, people understanding the aspect of care, I actually say the exact same thing with every ALS, Airman Leadership School class that I get to come through. I said, you got to care enough to at least tell somebody you don't care. Yeah. At least let them know they need to go somewhere else to get the level of care that they need in that moment. So I, I talk that all day, every day. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people don't even care enough. So uh, yeah. what would you leave your job for? What is one thing that you would absolutely today leave your job for? So I got uh, my, my personal values, right? So we got Air Force core values, uh, you know, and so for your civilian audience that might not know that it's integrity for our service for self and excellence and everything we do. Um, and, you know, for, for me, I always tell people, you got to have personal values because there's a time and a place and it's not a knock on Air Force values at all. So I don't want anybody to take that, take away what I'm saying and think that definitely not that, uh, for me, it's, you have to have personal values because sometimes your personal values don't, uh, those, those core values for the Air Force are to bring us together to accomplish a mission as a group and have common, you know, common bounds or common bonds and commonalities, right. That we can share amongst each other and get us united. Uh, but individuals, we're all we're all different. We're, you know, we're individuals. So for me, it's faith, family, and service. Those are my my, my personal values. Um, anytime that I feel like uh, you know my faith or or my family are being compromised upon, it's not as you know, uh, man. It's not as easy as just walking out of your job today, uh, kind of thing. When you're United States military, I mean, you got contracts, you got obligations. But uh, those are the things that would make me seek. Uh, you know, uh, to exit the Air Force. Uh, obviously, we got contracts and you know, you know, ramifications for those types of things. But that would be, uh, you know, on a, on a cordial path, right? I mean, if you know there was something more dire, more serious, you know, if I lost a family member and I didn't feel like I could perform in the Air Force anymore, then that'd be more of a, an immediate kind of uh, exit. But yeah, overall, just generally speaking, if my personal values or faith or family are compromised. Uh, past a point where I feel like, hey, that's going to take me away from being Caleb. That's going to take me away from being the, the husband and the father that I need to be and that I'm called to be. Uh, then it's time for me to let that ex that, let that that service commitment I have currently have run out and, and me go find something else to do in life, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So, final question: book recommendation. Uh, so there, there's quite a few out there that, that I like. I'm reading through one right now. It's called Quiet. 
uh, which obviously I have a str- I struggle with being quiet. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a, I've got quite a few books out there. I know uh, there's a, one fire starters out there that there's a couple of my friends actually helped uh, alter a chapter in that. Uh, so I know you said one book, man, but I, I can't just do one book. Lincoln on leadership uh, is, is a great book as well. But uh, yes, yeah, so there's, there's a ton of them out there, but uh, for an easy, from a leadership perspective, if you're talking strict leadership type of stuff, uh, you know, uh, I would say I would recommend Firestarters because it's got a couple of different viewpoints in there that I think they really get after. No kidding and no pun intended, but starting that fire inside of you or reigniting a fire, you know, that that spark, you know, that might have been in you before that that fire that was burning in that book can be that spark to kind of reignite that. So, you know, there's Tony Dungy. I love Tony Dungy uh, from a I'm a football guy. Right. But I love Tony, uh, Tony Dungy as a coach, as a person, man, he's been through so much. He's such trauma that's happened in his family. Uh, and, you know, he's he's got a few books out there as well that are just phenomenal. Anyway, you said one book. I gave you about five. So I, I don't apologize. <laughs> well, if you, <laughs> if you had to pick one, I'm guessing it would be Firestarters. Yep. Yep. That's the one we'll go with. All right. Well, what I'll do is I'll actually put a link to that in the description. Uh, once we get everything up and going, we're going to have a, a book recommendation page strictly put for that. So I, I will ensure that we put a link to it on there. Uh Thank you, Chief. Like this is this is great already starting. Uh, just I've got a few notes already put down for books that I'm going to look up. Uh, Tony Dungy is one of my favorite authors. Just the way that he looks at stuff, I, I love how he links sports and and the spiritual side together yeah. because he is a strong, devout Christian, um, and he he writes with such conviction and passion about leadership. Looking at his leadership side. Uh, and exactly like his tragedies led to a lot of his decisions and how he was as a person. And then, you know, working with Peyton Manning going through to the Super Bowl and just yeah. his mindset is amazing. Um, so a real quick note on that, man. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was I got a devotion. My wife got me a devotion uh, for Christmas. Uh, it's, a, it's a daily devotion by Tony Dungy. And, uh, you know, his uh, his father was one of the Tuskegee Airmen. Like he has it. Yeah, he, I did not either. And he had, and I've read his books before. And, and, and so I'm going to do some more research on it. Um, you know, he was talked about in the in the devotion, he had, he had given an example about something his dad had said about overcoming adversity and things. And uh, I was like, I did not know that. So anyway, but yeah, you're absolutely right, man. He, he connects the dots really well. I'm a, you know, if you're a football person and a, and, a, and, a, and a spiritual person, you might want to pick up his books because, man, the correlations are phenomenal. So but uh, sorry to interrupt you there, man. I just I just learned oh, that today when I was reading it today. I, you know, I'm on my way to to run out the door to work, and I grabbed that book, you know, and I'm reading through it. And I'm like, shut up! I did not know that. <laughs> well, when you get the opportunity and you remember, or you you have an, a a moment, please shoot a text to me with that because I'd love to pick it up myself just to be able to uh, to to start looking because I'm always looking for ways to make it better. I've got the the daily devotional that sits on my desk that my wife yep. and I, that, you know, my wife gave me. And so each year I try to go through it and, um, but man, amazing. So every one of us has a different leadership style and looking at it from the spiritual side or from the family side or from the work side, how would you describe your leadership style? Uh, leadership style. So I, you know, it's, we describe what we think we are, right? There's like three different versions of it. There's what we see, what other people's perceive and, and, and then what reality is somewhere in the middle. And like John Wooden said, you know, we spend more of our time developing our character versus, you know, our, what people think about us as a reputation. But anyway, to answer your question, I think I'm probably, um, I would say somewhere in between, uh, 
wide open and uh, very open kind of thing. As far as what I mean by that is I like to run, man. You know what I mean? Not, not necessarily just physically. I do like running, but uh, just I like to operate at what I call the speed of trust. I'm going to trust you until I can't trust you and you give me a reason to not trust. And I got that phrase from General Goldfein. It was our chief of staff of the Air Force, as you, as you know and you remember. But he's like, hey, we got to operate at the speed of trust. And, and man, I just took that. I, I'd operated that way for a while, but didn't realize I didn't have a term for it, you know. Um, so very, I try to be very open and I'm a coach. I think that's probably another way to, to put it. I, I see myself as a coach. Uh, I, I would hope that other people would, uh, you know, describe me that way to their, to their friends and their peers, because what I don't want to do is empower people at the wrong level or unprepared or without the right authority level. Cause then all we're doing is feeding them to the wolves or throwing them in the fire, whatever phrase you want to use. Uh, so I've spent a lot of time in football, a lot of time coaching football, uh, you know, peewee football and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I approach our, our airmen and our philosophy in the Air Force the same way. I, I, we have to coach. So I would say uh, maybe maybe a better way to say is a wide open coach. You know what I mean? Is uh, and and with a lot of love. You know, people don't use that word because we associate it with so many different things. I think the Greek language does such a great job. It's more of like a you know a, a brotherly love, you know, a godly love, and there's you know the intimate type of love. In the English language, people just kind of associate it typically uh, with something that's you know, I love football and they don't really know what that means, but they just like it a whole lot, you know, uh, or, you know, with maybe a more of an intimate type of thing. So anyway, it's, I try to, I try to lead with love. Uh, and what I mean by that is being, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is, you know, long, long suffering, right. All those things that, that we might be familiar with from a scripture standpoint, I try to apply that in my leadership principles. So. Yeah, I understand. Uh, the aspect of love is one that we're still walking through with our son. So our son was adopted. Uh, a year mm-hmm. ago. Uh, and this is still something that we're doing. You know, he uses the words, I love you, but the words don't always act, uh, meet up with the actions. So what he's doing is yep. not necessarily the same thing as what he is saying. And that's, and, and I like that, that you lead with love because, um, you know, love is so easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I think that we, if we don't truly have a true vision of what that looks like, if we don't have an example in front of us, a lot of us can miss the mark on that. So leading with love is is great. And I talked to my airmen, and this this may be a little weird uh, about intimacy, but I I I say it just to kind of give them the shock. And then I say, but here's here's why I, I look at it this way: in to me, you see who you see in front of you is going to be the person that you're going to get. That's that intimacy level. Like you will know me. I will be here for you. So that's that is awesome to hear. Uh, just number one, the speed of trust is, is a great quote. Um, and then lead with love. So speaking, you know, this, this whole podcast is going to be centered around the idea of spiritual resiliency. So I want to know what comes to mind whenever we talk about spiritual resiliency to you. Uh, so the first thing that comes to mind is, um, strength, strength of my God, my savior, uh, and my weakness, right? So when I think about you know spiritual resiliency or spiritual readiness, uh, I think about all the things uh, that that I cannot do, uh, and then you know sometimes it takes us a long time to figure out. It takes me, I'll say me, it takes me a long time to figure out, even after previous experiences of knowing that I don't have what it takes and I need, I need uh, you know a higher power, and in my case, I need God uh, to to get me through whatever X, Y, and Z is, whatever that situation is. That's what comes to mind is me, my reliance and my need to rely on God versus on my own understanding or my own strengths. 
yes, he has blessed me with some things, right? And I need to utilize those things and and, and not take uh, not take them for granted and not utilize them. So I know he wants me to utilize them and wants me to perform at the very best that I can. You know, whatever I put my hand to the plow, I'm not going to turn around and, and look back kind of thing. You know, once I start, I'm going I'm to finish and I'm going to do it to his glory. But I also have to be uh, understanding that, hey, guess what? I, I don't have everything it, it takes. I don't need to wait till I run to the very end and be like, okay, now I need your help. Uh, so it's kind of a constant, uh, you know, kind of like when a, from a readiness aspect in the United States military, you don't wait till there's a, a threat of a war or a threat of an engagement to be like, oh, you know what, guys, uh, teammates, we should, airmen, we should probably go get ready. No, that's way too late then, right? Um, some of you might get ready and some of you probably won't. Let's go ahead and say most of you probably won't. So spiritual readiness is the same thing, spiritual resiliency. So if you're if you're claiming that, hey, I'm I'm I am a in prescribed faith, whatever that faith is, you got to be a disciple of it. That is the way I see it. Same thing as like in the military, we got to train, we got to be ready and stay ready uh, for whatever that engagement may be. Same thing in the spiritual realm. When you talk about spiritual readiness or spiritual resiliency, you got to be. Well, if it's a devotion, a daily devotion, it's a daily reading, whatever it is for you to know and have those things in your head. So that when those hard times come, it's not like you search for a long time to figure out like, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. It's just in your head. Like one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So for me, it's a, that spiritual rest about protecting my heart as well, right? Uh, because those actions that we take, those words that we speak come from the heart. So uh, I don't know if that's exactly what you're looking for, man, but you guys said what comes to my mind, that's what came to my mind. Oh, that's that's a hundred percent, Chief. That is a hundred percent the guarding of the of the heart, and I and I think that everyone gets caught up in spiritual resiliency. I, I think that it's so diverse that we don't have a good solid definition of yep. what it is. So that's why it's important to kind of explore it to be able to see uh, how you see things is different than how I'm going to see things. It's it's yep. just like scripture. I can sit there and I can be going through something. You could be going through something completely different. We read the exact same thing and we're going to see it differently, right? Like we're yeah. going to have deeper impact coming from it. And I think that's what is important about the team aspect. Every team member that comes into play is going to have a different role in that experience. And that's why it's important to know your inventory. In, in wartime leadership, uh, one of the things that I have built up and that I've talked about is be prepared. Be prepared for any situation that comes. And one of those is knowing and inventorying your tools, what you have at your disposal, and understanding that even spiritually, people bring different things to that team. You have to know where they are at that point so you know what they need help with. Yep, absolutely. If I, don't know, I don't know my people, then that's a fail on me. Yeah, you know, and so it's one of those things too, where it goes back to where I talked about leading with love. And so I'm also one of those types of people that and then I will I will take the time uh, and, I, and I would encourage all of us to do this, no matter what your walk of life is, to build those relationships. Because trust, man, trust is the foundation of everything. Nobody fits me anything differently, I don't believe. Uh, but trust being the foundation of everything when it comes to leadership, because if you don't trust me, you're not going to share with me, right? Uh, so I can ask you the checkbox questions. Where are you from? What made you join the Air Force or maybe whatever corporation or company you work for or whatever? What made you leave your hometown? And, and you'll probably share that type of stuff with me. Uh, but the more deep uh, meanings in life and your values and what wakes you up in the morning truly and being honest with each other, that takes time and you got to build trust. So to your point, man, uh, so any young leader that's out there or even older leader doesn't really matter. If you're maybe new in the leadership roles and you don't know all your people, 
don't beat yourself up. It takes time to get to know your people. If you're making the effort, you know, a concerted effort, people are going to see that. People are going to appreciate that. Man, it took me a long time to realize that. I used to think that I had to do everything today. Like I got to go let everybody know that I want to build a relationship. I want to be trustworthy. Uh, and and I, it took me a little while before I realized that people, people see us. People are watching you no matter what your rank is. Uh, good or bad, whatever your actions are, people are watching you, making assessments and, and determining kind of like the pregame, and if you will, knowing whether they're going to trust you or, or not, or at least be willing to start that journey with you or not. So you're absolutely right. Just a, it's a very diverse, even, even from the same faith base, it's diverse, and then even from other faith bases as well. So when you're doing it right, though, man, it, you find that you're not judging and you're just trying to help, right? No, no more, don't be in, not being judgmental and just trying to help people uh, is, is a huge step. You know, and, and you're right on. Relationship is where healing happens, right? And that's yep. that's even just on that personal level with your airmen, with your employees, with the person across the street. Healing happens in the context of relationships. Like that is, I we can't have a very truly honest conversation until we have an established relationship where I that can look at you and say, I have seen you, and now here's where we need to fix some things. Yep. That's that's spiritual, emotional, it doesn't matter which way you look at it. So, but in looking, I want, I want you to look at how you personally build spiritual resiliency. What's that look like with you, your family, your teammates? Uh, so, you know, spiritual uh, resiliency, if we started in the workplace first, actually, let's, let's back up. Let's, let's start in, in my personal life. Uh, or in my life, I guess I could say, uh, how I do how I go about that and how I go about that with my family. Uh, and then we'll talk, we'll touch on the, on the air force piece. So for me personally, uh, I got it right here. I know people listening won't be able to see it unless you stream it later on, on some type of video. I got a Bible here. Like, uh, like I said before, when I opened up that I am a Christian, uh, I know there's other faith, faith bases out there in the, in the world. And, and I'm fine with it. I'm okay with that. Uh, not prescribing one or the other. This is my choice. It's what I choose. So the Bible is is with me pretty much everywhere. I, you know, obviously people got it in their phone. I just showed you a, a hard copy for those that, that, that aren't watching video, but just listening to it later on audio. Uh, and it's a journaling Bible. Uh, it's something someone gave to me. I've had Bibles for a long time, but this one was given to me by uh, Tim Sterner, Timothy Sterner, another, he's a retired uh, Air Force chief at the time. He wasn't retired. On my chief promotion ceremony, he gave me the one that I just showed you. And it really meant a lot to me that somebody uh, would give me a Bible on, on the occasion of my promotion. Uh, and, and it means a lot. And I mean, it could be like three podcasts on, on like why I thought it was so important uh, for him to do that and to protect your heart, going back to that analogy and making sure that, because sometimes you see it, man, people get the get a little bit too big for their britches kind of thing, the old saying, you know, and, and do things that just aren't right because power or authority or the level of prestige or whatever it may be, you know, for people, they don't stay grounded and humble. So anyway, uh, going on a little bit of a tangent here, but you got me talking about spiritual stuff, man. So I'm going to talk, but uh, I, I journal in my Bible. So right now I'm actually, there's a, there's also a printout in it. Um, I, I wanted to find peace and clarity. I wanted to enhance, enhance my peace and clarity in life, you know, cause we all go through different seasons in life, no matter in the military, no matter what rank you are, what jobs you're in, just people, we have different, different spots in our journey. So anyway, I've been going through peace and clarity. So I've been every morning and also do a couple of devotions that are on my, on my phone. So uh, about being a father and about raising sons and stuff like that, you know, because I know I've got an older son and it probably won't be that much longer, probably another couple, three years. and He'll be having children. So I'm just kind of refreshing, like, what did I go through when I was teaching him and uh, stuff like that? So I like to like keep myself young, I guess, in that regard. But yeah, so I've got about three devotions that I'm doing 
on, on a regular, you know, I like using the print Bible cause that makes me focus. Uh, if I'm on my phone, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, you know what? Something pops up and gets my attention or whatever, you know? So anyway, I do that in my personal life, my prayer life. I definitely have, I pray in the morning. I pray with my kids in the morning and it's not every morning. I'm not perfect y'all. So it's not every morning that that happens. Um, but I try, I strive for that. Uh, and I, and I pray in the evenings for myself. So in the mornings, usually when I get to my, my workstation, I usually get there before everybody else gets there. And, uh, you know, I have a moment of prayer. I pray over, uh, you know, the things I'm going to be uh, doing that day and like, hey, you know what? I want to be a light. Uh, I want to be used by you. Um, and I, and I want to be, you know, something, use the conduit, if you will, right, of good things. So uh, and for my family, we, we don't every night, but as much as we can, we sit around the table. We have good conversation. I've already you know, told you one of my oldest sons out of the house. He's, he's on his own now. But um, my other three children that are here with me, other three sons. As we can, we sit around and we talk about, you know, life, right? We eat dinner and we talk about life. Uh, I don't sit there and say hey, on all occasions, hey, we're going to read this verse. We're going to talk about this verse. I don't always do that. But we try to we intertwine that stuff in our everyday life and just asking them what their perspective on it is. Hey, was love shown in this? I raised my sons with four values, integrity, love, courage, and discipline. That's what I raised my sons with. They pick their own values once they're old enough to, to determine them. And they could use those same values. That's fine. But we'll have discussions. Excuse me, I apologize. I got a hiccup. We we use those around uh, discussions of life. Uh, so that's the family. You know, I pray with my wife. So that's that's kind of like the family unit, if you will, my personal and family unit. And then as far as at work, man, you know, in, in the military, it is a little more difficult. I have to be careful, too, from uh, uh, from my position, right? Uh, the position that I hold in the Air Force to not make it uh, where anyone would feel like they're unwelcome or anyone that would feel. And we know that's not true, right? I would never do that for someone or to someone. But you can't give that perception. You have to be very careful of how you do things and what you say and when you say it, and how you say it. And I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. I'm not saying that in a bad way or a mean way or, or you know, unappreciative way. It's just life. That's the way it is. Uh, so when people open up to me and they say, hey, chief, what can you explain to me? Like how you walk through this situation? Like you told me that story. How did you walk through that and keep a smile? Like what happened? I'm like, all right, can I tell you about my faith? If they open that door and they say, yeah, please tell me about your faith. I'll tell them about my faith. Um, so it's a little bit different in the military from my, when I'm wearing my uniform, it's a little different. I don't, I don't get up and pulpit and preach or anything like that. Uh, but I will share, you know, if people ask me, I will definitely share. And, and here's a, a shout out to, to anybody out there, whatever faith that you're in, if you're, if you're following your prescribed faith, you don't have to, I, I can't never say the word right, prophetize, I think is how you say it. You don't have to be up and be a, a prophet for that particular religion. Just live how you're supposed to be living according to the faith that you follow. And people are going to notice a difference, right? They're going to notice a difference and they're going to want to know more because uh, more times than not, you're that light in, the, in, a, in a dark place and they want to know more about how you handle yourself. So that's, that's the five minute of the five hour version of uh, faith in the Vaden household. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's really interesting that you say that because, you know, as, as an MTI, I was put into a situation where I'd have those, trainees asking the questions of, you know, how did you make it through it? And I'd be like, well, do you, you, you're, you're asking a very honest question. Now, do you want me to give you a very honest answer? And as soon as they would say, yes, I would be like, it's my faith. My faith has guided me. And that, that opens up that conversation. And you're right. There's like this, this, this very fine line that you have to navigate sometimes, but when the door is open, you, you have to step through. Like there's just, there's that moment that's opened up. Let me step through. Let me truly explain to you what is there, how I made it. So I, I appreciate you sharing that chief. And I know we don't have too much more time, but I'd like you to 
maybe walk us through how or what did you do to overcome and push through a situation in your life where you had to rely solely on your spiritual resiliency? Absolutely. So, and, and I know I had talked to you earlier, uh, I'd ask, uh, uh, my spouse to take care of some, a couple of things for me, uh, my lovely wife, so we, we can stay on a little longer. Um, so it's overcoming something, uh, in, in my life. And there's, there's been a lot of where I wear a, a bracelet for, for a couple of them that, that go back to some crazy bad days in Afghanistan, but you know, it's easier to process those in the moment because, um, the the adrenaline the heat of the moment and the situation uh so those are easier to process until you're in a quiet space um but the one i want to share with you and, and so i guess that's my plug for for anyone out there dealing with things that um don't don't do it alone uh and and then don't try to keep yourself so busy you don't have to deal with it because i know exactly what that feels like uh, where you just keep running you keep gunning uh just so you don't have to deal with those those emotional scars in, in your in your psychological space right but uh, the one I want to share with you is, um, and, and I'll keep everybody nameless uh, because I have spoken to my my sister about about sharing these things. So I'll keep them nameless out of respect for for my sister. But uh, I lost my two nieces uh, just a few months ago. It's about a year. It's a little over a year ago now. Um, Sixteen and, and twelve years old uh, in a car accident. Um, one of the one of the hardest things you know to, that I've had to walk through. Um, can't can't even begin to understand and imagine how my sister felt with uh, with that of losing two children, not just one child, but two children, or her only two biological children. Um, so in those moments, you know, you find yourself really struggling of like the meaning of life, right? You know, like I said, I've had quite a bit of loss in my life with friends and you know close friends, bro- not not blood brothers, but brothers and uh, that I'm closer to, honestly, in the, in the military, and so. You know, losing that. So I've got some loss in the life that I've had to deal with. And then when it hits so close to your doorstep, uh, I lost my nephews, United States Marine. I lost my nephew uh, back at 14. Uh, that was very, very difficult. But hey, and not making light of that situation, that's where that we step up, right? And, and we're called to a different calling, a different purpose to serve. And it's in a, her- a heroic way, you know, and it's, it's easier, not easy, but easier to process than two babies, right? Uh, two babies get taken out in a, in a car accident. So in that moment, man, those moments, you know, and just going through that, um, you know, here I am and been just kind of giving you some backstory of all the stuff that I've been through uh, and and carrying those caskets were the hardest, hardest caskets I've ever had to carry. Um, so for me, just processing through that, going back to being where well, we talked about spiritual readiness earlier, right? And I told you like, hey, that's always got to be in, in your mind. I tell you, man, um, and I might get a little emotional about it, but I was having to quote those verses in my head. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, uh, cause you know, as, as a, uh, as a person for my, for my sister, my brother, a uh, brother for my sister of staying strong, you know, she's going through all this stuff. You just keep it locked in and press on. Um, you know, I look back, there was a couple of my uh, blood brothers as well. Um, you know, that were, uh, I, I, I wish I would have done it a little bit differently. Uh, but they kind of started breaking down when we were walking up to the gravesite. you know, I'm under my breath, you know, I'm like, you got to lock it up. You keep this stuff straight, you know, and move forward. We'll, we'll talk, we'll process this afterwards outside of my sister's site. Um, that's kind of, I guess, the military in me coming out. But um, those are the times, man, where I was really in the word. And, and it's unfortunate for most people in, in a walk of faith that you really kind of get comfortable in life and, and you lose sight and you're not in it diligently. You're not in the word. You're not praying. And man, that's bang. That's when something happens. You know, in the military, we say always stay in ready, left to boom, you know. Uh, so you always got to be ready, left to boom. And in our walk in faith, we never do that. Right. So 
Not never. That's the wrong way to say it. Most of the time we don't do that. We let boom happen. Then we go digging in the word. Like, where's this verse at? I need some strength. And, you know, I need to start praying and like, God, you got to help me in this situation. And so for me, thankfully, God has impressed upon me in my life and the things he's taken me through. That was there. Those verses were there, you know, and I'll never leave you or forsake you. And there's another verse, you know, the, the actual scripture numbers leave my mind right now. But, uh, you, know, a lot, you know, I won't put more on you than you can take without my grace. Right. A lot of people leave that part out. You know, it's like, well, God's not going to put more on me. Not handle. No, 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 no. That's not what was actually said. We find ourselves in when I'm, you know, with my nieces, that's more than human, the more than Caleb, the man can take. That's more than I can take. Losing my friends in Afghanistan. That's more than I can take. Losing my nephew, uh, you know, 21 years old. That's more than the human Caleb can take. So not that I won't have to endure more than I can handle. It's more than I can handle without him at my side. So, wow. yeah, I know that's uh we could talk for hours on that, man. But that's those are the things that the the verses that I had re, not rehearsed, but that I'd read. I'd been in the Word, so it wasn't like it was foreign to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I I, I go to Google too. I'm like, all right, I need. I want to know more. I know there's something I was thinking about. It was this verse I read in Psalms. What was that verse about love or peace or or about grace in, in Psalms? And what did David say? So I'd Google that real quick, and then yep, that's the verse, and it's already highlighted in my in my you know hard print Bible. So those are the types of things, man, in life things too. And I'm not saying it has to be so uh, horrific as the example I gave you. There might be people listening to your podcast that says, well, I didn't have anyone get taken from me in a, in a horrific way or just, you know, lost a, a loved one. But you know what? You could be going through something at work, man. You know, you could be going through, uh, maybe you got a toxic boss or maybe you got a, or something you describe as a toxic boss, or maybe you got, you know, peers or teammates that just aren't good people or, or they aren't acting right or treating you well. And you're like, man, I haven't lost anybody, but Caleb said, you know, you just got to keep going, you know, and, but I did say that, but what else do you need to be doing in those spaces? So not me, everybody's situation is different. Um, so where we get in the dangerous game is comparing our life to other people's life, our journey to other people's journey, our trials, our tribulations to other people's and saying, well, mine's not that bad. Next thing you know is you've let that stuff build up and then that starts controlling the narrative. That's where something else gets a foothold in your life starts controlling the narrative, and then you've lost it, right? You've lost control in that situation. So don't, again, I guess it's just one of those things of don't let uh, let what we would know as me and you in our faith is, is the devil to tempt us and to pull us away from the word and get a foothold in our lives and start controlling the narrative. That's what I encourage you to tell people to not do. And regardless of the size of the circumstance, no matter what that is, it's if you feel like, hey, this is tough, you, you should already be in the word, but you need to get in the word if you're not, um, uh, whatever your faith base is. So, yeah, man, that's uh, that's one of the, the toughest things I've, I've had to go through. And um, I, I don't know, man, if it without uh, without God at, at my side, we, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion or definitely not in this, this flavor. Yeah, well, you know, Caleb told me that because he lost somebody that, you know, my bad boss is not that big of a deal. You know, I, I used to for years, I used to, uh, to pray for, God, give me a testimony, right? <laughs> it's really weird to say it that way, but I, I always used to be like, God, you know, I've never been through adversity. You know, my parents are still together. They've been married for 50 plus years now. They, you know, I, I grew up in a great childhood, you know, faith-based childhood. Uh, I ran away from it, which is a totally different podcast that, that I'll have going on at some point. But, uh, but God, give me a testimony. You know, and in the whole time, the testimony was right in front of me. The situation that you're going through, you can never look at somebody and think less of what they're going through. 
it may be a lot less than what you have gone through in your life, but your job is to look across at them and walk them through that. It's not small. It's big to them. Absolutely. It needs to be just as big to you. Absolutely. Man, that's part of empathy and sympathy, right? So I'll give you this example. Uh, our military, the, your military audience will appreciate. So uh, at a point in time in Afghanistan, not too long ago, um, we had uh, we got attacked and we'll leave all the details out. Uh, some obvious stuff we don't need to talk about. But so we're, we're undergoing an attack. And I'm, I'm sure uh, some people will know what outgoing sounds like from Artie, you know, from artillery. Right. Um, it will shake you and rock you, especially if it's only like 25 meters away. And um, so we had an individual that, you know, heard the sirens, heard the C-Rams going off and fire. So they an audience, if you don't know what a C-Ram is, look up Google C-Ram and you'll be impressed. It's, it's basically a defense system, right? Most um, sound in the world. It's, it's that, well, maybe an 810 Warthog sounds a little bit better, but I, I give you that. I mean, that's a close second, right? Especially if you don't, if you're on the inside and they're shooting at you, you want to hear the C-Rams going off. Um, but anyway, uh, so anyway, gets in a bunker and um, then and thought we were getting overrun. Uh, because of the outgoing. The outgoing was, you know, pretty crazy. Uh, so anyway, fast forward, uh, people were saying, I can't believe this person's got to go home because we ended up sending the member home. The member uh, could not adjust and it was safer to send that member uh, to get care at another facility. No no physical damage, but just, uh, psychological damage, right? And and I heard people saying, you know, I'm just sitting there just listening to people and talk about it, you know, because I'm, I'm the chief, right? And I'm just going to walk through organizations and hearing people talk and, and describe the attack and stuff like that, you know, and um, they were saying, I overheard somebody say that I, I cannot believe that this is happening. Like any idea of like how the stuff that we have been through, and I don't know all their story and what they'd been through uh, prior to that deployment. Um, and to your point though, man, I was like, look, anytime that you make somebody's experience insignificant, you have failed them. You have failed them. And we cannot afford to fail people. Don't ever try to put yourself in, in their boots with your experiences, because that's not how we do life, Right. You got to do life at their doorstep. What are they going through? What did what happened in that action? And and all of us in that particular space are not medical professionals. It's not our job to determine whether somebody should quote unquote should or should not uh, how they should adjust to to the 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 whims of war or the whims of an attack. Um, so anyway, yeah, just kind of expounding on that. What you said, man, that was perfect. Set, perfectly said by you. Don't ever make their their situation seem insignificant, right? So we have to be guarded and protected in our words because you might think that for whatever reason. And I'm not telling you to stop thinking because you so many times people lie, man, it's a facade. I would never think that. No, you did. You were just smart enough not to say it. Right. So let's put yourself try to put yourself in seeing life from their perspective. And we could even go into race and a lot of other things. Try to see it from their perspective. Right. You don't have their experiences. You don't know what made them react that way try to understand it. What we need to do at the end of the day is be there for one another, right? Um, sorry, I'll get off, I'll get off my soapbox, man, because that gets me fired up. It's when people start making other people's experiences insignificant based on their experience, right? So that's just, that's not, that's a no-go. No, Chief, hey, you know what? You, you can, by all means, <laughs> go off on any of these subjects at all. I mean, because you're, you're, you're fire. You are, you are the, the flame that is just kind of riding out across the Air Force, because I think that we in society, I don't I don't think that the civilian side will will truly be able to see this because in the civilian sector, in the civilian side, we don't get into people's business as much. Right. Like yeah. there is there is a clear separation between work and life um, and, and, and they don't 
too often feed into one another. You know, in the, in the military, we really try to take that a whole nother level, right? Or we're, we're supposed to. We're supposed to, to feed into each other. Uh, I want to know who your wife is. I want to know who your husband is. I want to know your kids' names. Uh, great chief, Chief Silva. Uh, this, this chief reached out to me while I was deployed for the first time, uh, had never met the guy in my life. And he had reached out. He was staying in contact. I had actually stayed an additional rotation just simply because uh, the individual that was supposed to take over for me was having the birth of their, their first child. And he knew me so well that before he even contacted me, he knew my dog's name. He knew my mom and dad's name. He knew, he knew all of these aspects about me before I even got there. It didn't matter what the situation was that I was living through. He wanted to, he wanted me to know that he was there, that there was somebody on my side fighting for me here, stateside. And, and I can't say that there's been plenty of opportunities where I've been away and my wife has been in a car accident. And that first sergeant, that, that, that person who cares enough to, to go do this other job where they're, they're there to be for the people, to help people navigate through life's situations, they, they went out and they got my wife, right? They made sure they put eyes on her and then let me know. I had enough trust in that person, right? We have been the speed of trust with each other, yeah. that, that they knew what I needed to be able to be successful where I was. And, and I think that we lose, we lose that trans translation in the civilian world just because they're not as bought on. I would love whenever I transition out of the military, that is one thing that I hope to be able to do is to be able to show the value in care. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a whole organizations, man, I'm not even by myself working for one, one day, if good Lord's willing, but they have to teach, um, essentially emotional skills, emotional intelligence, if you will, EQ. Uh, to business leaders. And it's like the first time they've heard it, right? I had an opportunity to sit in a class not too long ago with some, some you know, other military members of, of equal or greater status than, than the positions we're currently all in together, similar positions. And then talking about the civilian counterparts, right? Of like, you you know who so-and-so at, at X, Y, and Z level, you know, like kind of your experience, you know what their dog's name is? Now, look, I, I will be honest with you, like the, the individual that it works as my teammate, you call them executive assistants in the Air Force, but I call them, she's my teammate, uh, my wingman. Uh, you know, I, yes, I, when I first met her, I was like, I, this is going to seem very mechanized, but I want you to fill out this form. It's a form essentially of what, what are your favorite things? What are your favorite drinks? You know, because when I'm out running about the base, acting like crazy, you know, here and there and everywhere else, I'm going to start by stop by Starbucks and pick up your favorite drink every once in a while. You know, that's just the kind of person I am. So I need to know that. So it's a bit mechanized at first until you build that relationship and you're you're absolutely right man we civilian sector doesn't doesn't have that we ha- have that they have to teach it now we don't have it as great in the military as we should have it right uh, we have the we have built the social environment if you will we've kind of put that in the parameters with our core values and everything we teach airmen but it gets lost along the way sometimes doesn't it man and and that's just human nature that uh, you know, Pete, not everybody's going to care at the same same rate that, that the rest of us care at or some others care at. But that's just where we have to keep staying after, you know, and stay with it and, and just kind of keep being that example. Right. We can't fix everything, fix everything within your wheelhouse, within your AOR and everything else you have to be the example for. I refer to those as the spheres of influence. Right. You have to stay within your sphere of influence and want to grow it. Right. But so one last question for you. I want you to look back. I want you to be at the end of your career and looking back. What do 
you want your legacy to look like and what will other people see your legacy as? Uh, so um, this is something uh, I actually I spend time on and I have spent time on. Um, and I said it earlier when I was talking about living in the dash. I don't know if we were recording yet or at the time or not. But we have our birth year. For me, it's 1981. Uh, and then there's a dash that we're all living in right now. If you're alive right now, you're in that dash. And hopefully that other year is a long ways off, right? And we're talking about a tombstone, right? Uh, or headstone or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and hopefully mine's a long ways off. But you never know. That dash could end. Like I was just telling you about my little nieces. That dash could end at any day, right? So I try to live every day like it's my last, of course, in accordance with UCMJ and all the applicable laws, right? I'm not doing, not doing illegal activities, but I like to have fun. Uh, so looking back, when you say, like, for me, I say, hey, where are you sitting at? What, what are you doing? Like, are you on a fishing boat? Uh, for me, I'm sitting on a, probably the West Coast somewhere in the mountains. Maybe, who, who knows where I'm going to be, but I like the ocean. I like mountains. That's kind of a good spot right there, you know, and probably got some sweet tea because I won't be worried about the calorie intake and the PT test anymore. And so I probably have some sweet tea looking out at the sunset. And man, that's, I want to be able to look. If I could just imagine everybody that I've ever served with, anybody I've ever done life with, and if I could look across them, I need all of them, and, and not that they would be telling a fib, but all of them to be like, you did me right. Like if there's one person that I did wrong, then I, then I, I don't know if I'd use the big F word of fail, but I, I definitely wasn't successful. Therefore, I was a failure at that. So what I mean by that is I'm human. I have messed up a lot, my man. I have messed up a lot. We, what we have to do, and it goes in line with forgiveness, you have to seek forgiveness. Admit you messed up with somebody, and then whatever that may be. Maybe you, you spouted off the mouth when you shouldn't have her. Let's just say it. Maybe I spouted off the mouth when I shouldn't have her. Did something wrong, not intentionally, and maybe sometimes even intentionally. I have to have the fortitude to go to that person and say, can you please forgive me? And once you've gotten to that state, like if that person chooses not to forgive me, then they've chosen not to forgive me. But at least I did the part that I could after I'd messed up. So anyway, looking back over life, I hope, uh, I hope to be remembered as somebody that cared, that tried to create a remarkable experience for everybody I came across and, and tried to show them they had potential, they were valued in this life, uh, that somebody loves them, and, and that they have a lot of potential even if they can't see it yet because we were all created for a specific purpose. Uh, and that purpose is great. And it's to show other people love. It's one of the purposes to show other people love and help each other. So hopefully... That's what I am remembered for. Now, what to your second question, what will people actually say? I have no idea, bro. They'll probably be like, that was one of the craziest people I've ever come across. Um, <laughs> I like to have a lot of fun. And he lived life to the very fullest. And he broke his body down doing it because <laughs> I just never learned my lesson. Uh, <laughs> like, so anyway, I don't have a dirt boy, right? <laughs> yeah, man, I've got more back issues. My back's hurting right now. I'm trying to move around in this chair. I'm waiting to get my back fused, actually. Um, but yeah, so there's, what will they actually say when it's all said and done? I'm not sure. But the last piece I'll leave you with on that question, it's a legacy, right? What I'm, look, what I'm trying to do is leave a legacy. And a legacy is not in, dude, I, I could have the same legacy when I was an A1C finishing up, right? Um, I, I'm grateful that I got to be a chief master in the Air Force says, hey, go, go lead as a chief. That'd be great. I'm appreciative of that. But that's not what defines me. That's not my legacy. My stripes aren't my legacy. The, the awards, the decorations aren't my legacy. It's, it's, the, it's the brothers and sisters that I've served with, but more importantly, my sons and my wife. My sons are my legacy. So if I'm spending time developing them and giving them the opportunity to make the choices to be good young men that, that are upright citizens of our nation, then great. That's, and they can live on and be like, you know what? Dad showed us love. That's one thing dad got good. That's what he got right. I want to continue to show people love. That's, that's the legacy I could hope for, man, is that they would show people love and, and, and follow, follow God. That's, that's what I want them to do. It has to be their choice. I can't make them do it. Uh, but that's, that's the legacy I hope to leave. And on the military side, 
I hope the same thing, man. It's the same legacy. It's just show each other love and help each other make it through this life. That's, that's all I can ask for. Um, and that's all I would ever want to be remembered for. Nobody great, nobody special. Just, just a simple country boy out here trying to do the good work, man. Just a, just a simple country boy, dirt pusher. Yep. Good old boy. All right. I that's got me. <laughs> hey, Chief, uh, I am blessed that you, you gave us the time today to, to sit down and just run through this. Um, you're, you're the first of what I hope to be many, many guests. Uh, I look, oh, sorry, my, my dogs seem to disagree. Uh, <laughs> that dog knows the truth. I'll, I'll be the first. Of, many guests will be much better than me. That dog. <laughs> I can do it off here. <laughs> now, I let me, let me try that again. I'll edit that out. Um, Chief Caleb Vaden, so blessed to had you on today to be able to just share a little piece of your faith about what makes you tick, how your family, uh, how you build that spiritual resiliency of your family and and your teammates. Um, I am beyond blessed with the, I, I have so many notes just for my own personal edification that I will ensure that get into some of those aspects of our, uh, of our episode uh, description. Uh, so thank you so much to you. Uh, you have been a blessing to say the least. Any, oh, thanks, any final words you have for anyone? Oh, you know what? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's dangerous to ask Caleb if he's got any final words. Uh, I'll write you a whole other book. But, uh, you know, it's been a blessing, honestly, to be on here. Uh, I know I know how hard it is to get things like this off the ground. Uh, so just kudos to you for pushing through it and following your dreams, man. Uh, you know, turning over every rock, you know, every rock you want to turn over. And what I will leave uh, everyone with, uh, and Joe Bogdan, man, a good friend of mine and a brother, a brother in Christ, a brother in arms. Um, he is a phenomenal person. He calls them Calebisms. But, um, things that I'll say, but you know what? It takes a boot mentality, man. And and I, I'll give you a link sometime and to, to watch some more on boot mentality, but it's a tough life. It's, it's a tough road that we're on and nobody says it's going to be easy. And if they said it was going to be easy, they straight lied to you or they're living in some fantasy world. No matter what your walk is, what your faith is, life is hard. And it takes a, it take, we're built, humans are, are made for community. Humans are made for connection. Uh, no matter what faith you believe in, I'm telling you, all humans work better when we're connected and, and we care about each other. So, yeah, having a boot mentality, man, that's, a, that's that durable, durable, tough footwear you think about hiking and stuff like that. That's the kind of person I am. Uh, we ain't out here wearing slippers. You're going to slip an ankle if you're wearing some slippers. The slippers is the easy button. You hit that easy button so many times, you're going to find yourself buried and pulled way apart from what, what you thought you were set out in life to do. And uh, so don't be afraid of the naysayers out there to any of your, your listeners. Don't be afraid of the naysayers. It's easy to sit at the bottom of the mountain around that little pool down there at the bottom and say, that sure is a long hike. Uh, I really hope it works out well for you. It's easy to sit down there. Only the tough ones, the ones that really want to find out what they're made of and the ones that really want to find out what true success to them is in life, lace up your boots and start walking that long path. Uh, and there's plenty of people on that path to help you. You just got to let them know that you need some help, right? And don't be afraid to do that. And don't be afraid to connect and care for each other. So, yeah, man, it's been an honor to be on here, man. I hopefully, uh, I, I really feel that this thing's going to take off for you. And you're going to have plenty of guests come on here and be able to give you and your audience great wisdom and just share and grow from one another. So thanks again for reaching out, man, and, and just inviting me on, man. It's been a blast. Hey, things like this re-energize me, you know what I mean? Like it refills my cup. So just being able to share with other people. Well. Just remember, folks, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That is what we are all about in searching for spiritual resiliency. So we will see you next time on the Wartime Leadership Podcast.